Welcome and thank you for joining us here at Life Central. If you want to know more about who we are and what we're all about, check out our website, lifecentral.org.za or like, follow and subscribe to our social media channels. We hope this message speaks into your life and that you will find meaning and purpose through it, guiding you through your daily life. We live in a culture of more. Our economy is designed on purpose on you and me buying more clothes, more shoes, more phones, more TVs, more toys, more square footage, more hobbies, more experiences, more stamps in our passports, more relationships, more likes, more followers, more networking connections, just in total, more. So it's not surprising that every day we're bombarded with advertising on billboards or the back of a taxi or a stop, um, a bus stop or a news feed across our social media on all of these spaces, all of it aiming at one thing, more. Now, in reality, greed is an ancient sin, but the drive of consumerism that we see in our Western world today uh, goes back to the United States of America just after the Second World War. Now, at the time, the American economy was in a vulnerable position. Um, and then all of the top dogs from Washington and New York got together, they put their heads together and ultimately engineered a new economic system based on consumerism. It was after World War II that Paul Mazur, a prominent Wall Street banker, said this. He said, we must shift America from a needs culture to a desires culture. People must be trained to desire, to want new things even before the old things have entirely been consumed. We must shape a new mentality. Man's desires must overshadow his needs. Beautiful place for us to come from. As you hear that statement, it shouldn't be a surprise that we today consume twice as much material goods as what we did 50 years ago. The average American home, moving back to where this all originated, the average American home has over 300,000 items in it and has tripled in size over those 50 years. 25% of people who have double car or two car garages do not have enough space to park a single car in their garages due to clutter. At the same time, 32% only have room for one car in their garage due to the same problem. In fact, a, a, a study found that there is 7.3 square feet of storage space for every American in America. 
America can literally house the entire nation in their storage spaces. At the same time, the average American has over $15,000 of credit card debt. The old saying seems to be so true that the more you get, the more you want. As John Woolman said in light of his own experiences as a wealthy American merchant who turned preacher in the 18th century, he said this, he said, with the increase in wealth, the desire for wealth increases. And it's so easy for us to look at the U.S., look at the States and, and have a million things to say about consumerism in America. <laughs> but if we just stop and are honest with ourselves, if we just look at the realities that we face day in and day out, we might have learned it from them, but we jumped in headfirst, happily. Though some of our stats may look a little different, largely due to the levels of poverty that we face here in South Africa, the heart of consumerism is very much the same. The desire for more drives the need for hurry and rushing in our lives. It drives us to a life of speed, of overworking and overliving, grasping for more instead of gratefully enjoying our life with God and each other. Now, Jesus had a lot to say about that. In the New Testament, we see New Testament scholars ultimately estimate that around 25% of Jesus' teachings were on money and possessions. Stop and think about that for a moment. Imagine if every fourth message that we preached on this platform was on money. Chances are you and the people next to you would stop watching. Fact. But Jesus was very aware of the soul's inner dynamics. <laughs> he realized that we consume things and then things consume our hearts. And Jesus wasn't after our money or our things and he still isn't. He was after our hearts and he still is. Jesus said this, he said, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Did you pick up on the fact that he didn't say you should not, but he said you cannot you see, guys and ladies, money will grab your heart and my heart if we do not take an active stand against this gravitational pull. Fact. In fact, 
At one point, Jesus warns two brothers who are fighting over an inheritance in Luke chapter 12. He said this to them. He said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Every kind of greed. He's implying there that, hey, there's more than one kind of greed here, guys. He carries on. He says this. Life is not measured by how much you own. Another translation says, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. I love that. Jesus also famously said that it is more blessed to give than to receive. A literal translation of the original word for for blessed used there is happier, happier. It is more happier to give than to receive. Meaning, a happy life is the byproduct of giving, not getting. Now, this is a claim that social scientists have found to be true in study after study, time and time again. When it comes to our lives, Jesus made it very clear that wealth is more likely to be the obstacle to living, a, uh, uh, to living the, the, the good life in relationship with Jesus. It was finance guru Dave Ramsey who said this. He said, money is a wonderful tool, but it makes a terrible God. Build wealth to use and help others, not to worship. Some serious food for thought in that statement. The question for you and for me is this. Is there a practice from the way of Jesus to set our hearts free from its unquenchable thirst for more? And to ultimately free our hearts and our bank accounts to live happily and generously? The answer is definitely yes. It's known as the practice of simplicity. Simplicity. Now, some call it simple living. Others call it minimalism. So what is simple living? What is simplicity? There's author Joshua Becker who who authored the books um, The Minimalist Home and Things That Matter. Both excellent books. I can highly recommend them. He he described simplicity as the intentional promotion of the things that we most value and the removal of the things that most distract us from them. It was John Mark Comer who described it as limiting our possessions, expenses, activities, and social obligations to a level where we are free to live joyfully in the kingdom with Jesus. Now, throughout this series, uh, we have been making the case and have made the case that rushing, hurry, busyness, and overload all stunt our growth to becoming people of love, the people that God created us to be. And simplicity is the way that we shape our lives to create something called margin. 
margin to receive the love of God and then give that love to others. Now, there are two actions to, simpl to simplicity. The first one is to limit what we own. To limit what we own. The second action is to practice generosity. Now, Jesus knew that there is a deep peace and a deep calm and a deep joy that comes from limiting yourself. Limiting how much you consume or eat or drink or buy or sell or own or experience or do. Less really is more. Jesus also knew the deep joy that comes from giving. Again, he famously said, sell your possessions and give to those in need. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. That's not something that you and I generally gravitate towards to naturally. Now, the tense of the original Greek in that statement is eros active, which means it's not a one-off event. No. He's more than likely not saying, give everything your own, you own away right here and now, once off. No, the idea is that on a regular basis, you give away or you sell your stuff and give the proceeds to those in need. It's a constant thing. It's becoming the kind of person who regularly simplifies your life and practices generosity. Sort of person who limits what you own and gives away a lot. Now, just being honest from my side, I hear that line, <laughs> sell your possessions and give to those in need. And it honestly doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> it doesn't sound like, like something lighthearted and joyous. <laughs> no, it sounds a bit heavy and it even sounds a bit religious. But as I understand the heart of Jesus, I can absolutely imagine him saying this with a smile on his face and like a lightness in his tone. You see, guys and ladies, it's the way of Jesus. It's the way to life and life to the full. So, when it comes to your life, when it comes to my life, how could you simplify your life? What could you downsize? What could you give away? Maybe for now, you could... Consider just experimenting for a few days or a few weeks. Maybe it even leads to a few months. Just living with less. Less clothes, less shoes, less furniture, less activities. Less commitments. Now, since simplicity is a lifestyle, it affects how we live at every level. Not just the number of things in our closet or in our home, but also our activities, our schedule, our budget, and how we spend our time. And for the next few minutes, 
I'd like to give you just a few practical ways of doing this. Now, if you're taking this on, start off by finding a space in your house where you can make four big piles. These four piles, um, some people like to use bags or boxes. I just put two, four A4 pieces of paper down uh, in, the, in our house, in a room, and I started populating it. The first pile is giveaway. Giveaway. Now, this is stuff you can give to family or friends or those in need. We often have too much and people we're in relationship with have too little. The second pile is the sell pile. It's stuff you, you can or want to sell, um, stuff that's okay to sell secondhand to generate a little bit of income. And then the third pile is the throwaway or recycle pile. It's stuff that you just need to get rid of that you can't pass on to anyone. And then the fourth pile is a little more complicated. It's the weight pile. It's stuff that you're not sure about yet. Now, usually it's the things that we're emotionally attached to. And you'll be surprised just how emotionally attached you can be to certain stuff in your house. So just stick those things that you are emotionally attached to um, onto that pile and or, or, or once they from that pile stick them in a cupboard or or in a space in your garage or something like that and do that for like three to six months and if at any point in those three to six months you think of that thing and you want that thing then by all means go fetch it and use it or look at it or whatever but the chances are very good that during those three to six months, that the next time that you look at it is the next time you open that box or that bag. And at that point, it's much easier to get rid of. So once you have your four piles, you're ready to start. Now, there are all kinds of different categories that, that you can look into. Uh, today, we're just going to be looking at, at a few. But you can consider doing this with your clothes, with your stuff, with your paperwork, with a vast array of different, um, different items in your home. But I want to encourage you, start off slow, start off where you can, and take your time with it. This shouldn't take you hours. This entire process, working through your entire home, should take you weeks, not moments. Remember, you're unhurrying your life for what really matters. So the first exercise is clothing. Clothing. Take everything out of your closet and throw it onto a big pile. I threw it onto the bed, just threw everything on the bed. And then from there, create your, your piles. Create, keep, give away, sell, Throw away and recycle and wait. And then work through your clothes, putting them on each pile wherever it's relevant. When you're done, place the key pile back into your closet. Uh, maybe organize it a bit better than what you took it out as. Uh, we, we all know that that's normally necessary. 
And then as far as the rest of the piles, the rest of the piles should be self-explanatory. The second exercise that I'd love for you to consider is your stuff, the stuff in your house. Go through your home or your apartment or the place where you live. Go through it room by room and do the exact exercise that we spoke about with the clothes, but just do it with your things. Place the contents of each room again into five piles. The keep, give away, sell, throw away or recycle, and wait. Then carefully put the keep pile back into your house, either where you found it or, hey, you could redecorate in that moment. By all means, do that. A good place to start this process is probably your linen closet or your bathroom because there's very little sentimental items in in those spaces and ultimately, they're smaller and just easier to do on a very practical level. Save the major projects like the garage for last. When my wife found me doing my closet, (laughs) she asked me if if there's a garage section to this. I said to her, babe, that's last. So guys, wives out there, that one's last, okay? It's the big one. (laughs) When it comes to the living areas in your home, it's, it's, it's an easy next step because you, you feel an immediate relief that there are hardly any closets involved at all. It's just big open spaces. A, a great tool to use while you're doing this is to navigate by a few basic principles. One of these principles is avoid duplicates. We rarely need two of anything. When I was cleaning up my cupboard, uh, because of worked in the same space for as long as what I had, I found I had multiple duplicate t-shirts. So I forced myself to get rid of one of each of those, at least. Then another great tool is to hold each item in your hands and ask yourself a few questions. Just ask yourself, does this spark joy in my life? Like, am I any happier (laughs) because I have this or not? Do I need this is a great question to ask yourself. Better question is, does someone else need this? And I want to say this to you. If you're a Jesus follower, do this prayerfully. Like invite him into the conversation and see what happens. And again, guys and ladies, save sentimental items for last. This process is far more emotional than most people actually realize. I'm speaking from experience. I didn't realize I was as sentimental as what I apparently am. Ultimately, when it comes to this process, we're talking about not stepping into a space of having a guilt trip on you because you're struggling to get through this or not wanting to do this or whatever it may be. No, this process is about freedom. And I believe that that is what we're trying to achieve in the moment, is to just find the way of Jesus in our lives as we work through this process. And today, as we consider next steps, I wonder, where is God prompting your heart to, to, to just 
generously um, work with your resources. Not just your money, but all your resources. To be generous with all of your resources. I want to encourage you right there where you are right now. Take a moment to just check your own heart. Just have that conversation with God and see where is He wanting you to be more generous. Maybe, maybe it is in the fact that you have far more clothes than what you really need right now. And they're still really good. And there are people who could really do with some really good clothing. Maybe it's, it's stuff in your garage that you know you're never going to use. But ultimately, you know that others could use it. Maybe it even comes down to when, while you're shopping for your groceries, to maybe buy a little bit extra to be able to support a family who may be going through some really tough times. It's again another great option. Maybe that's where God's prompting your heart. Hey, maybe you've been going to a local church for a really long time. And if you're honest, you haven't contributed at all. You haven't given financially to help out. You haven't given of your time, of your efforts to assist that body functioning the way that it should. Maybe that's where God's prompting your heart right now. As you engage with God, just remember, in the words of Jesus, it's better to give than to receive. Or it's happier to give than to receive. And guys and ladies, there is joy waiting for you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you can come and challenge our hearts in this area, Lord. Lord, that we can really connect with your heart to just simplify our lives and hopefully in the process, improve the lives of the people around us. To live from a place not of, of, of desiring more and more and more, but to live from a place of gratitude for who you are and for what you've given us, Lord. To be able to exercise that gratitude in the way of reaching out and assisting and helping where we can and experiencing the immense joy that comes from doing that. So Lord, when it comes to these things, we invite you to come and challenge our hearts, challenge our minds, challenge our lives so that we can find your way of life in this area and ultimately experience your peace and your joy for our lives. We love you. These lives are yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with us. Join us again next week as we wrap up the series of The Unrushed Life. Thank you for listening in to the Life Central podcast today. If you would like to get connected or get involved, follow us on social media or visit our website, lifecentral.org.za. We hope you join us here again next week.